Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome to another episode of Parenting with Impact. And we are your hosts, Elaine and Diane. Let's dive in, Diane. What's the topic we're hitting today? You know, we're talking about mindset and stories. And, you know, this kind of came up for me. I've been doing some self-study And one of the things that I've been paying attention to is the role of your mind, your brain, your, and the fact that (laughs) it's a big thing. I've been paying attention to the role of your mind. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) Well, no, but the thing is, this is the bottom line, right? It's a sort of, your brain's not supposed to be in charge. It's not supposed to be in charge of your decision-making. It's not supposed to be in charge of, you know, you're, you're, you're supposed to have this internal guidance system. And we've gotten into this place as a society, as human beings, where our brain is in charge. We, we think our brain's in charge. We think our brain's in but charge. But it's really not because it's, there's this direct line between our brain and our heart and our gut, right? Right. And right. they're all in sync, even if we think the brain's in charge. Right. But the brain's not supposed to be in charge, but then we pretend that we act as if it is, right? And we right. listen to our brain and we listen to our, we listen to our brain way too much. And you know, we've done stuff in positive intelligence. We've done stuff with saboteurs and gremlins and, you know, kind of all these different bigger kind of management and stories. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so what I want to talk about is how much we're getting hijacked by our mind and how aware we are of when it is or isn't happening. Well, you know, what I often say to parents is that our brain will collect, we, our gut will make a decision. Our emotions, our heart, our gut will, will come up with what we know we want. And then our brain will collect the evidence to prove whatever decision our body's already made. Well, or it'll, it'll try to talk us out of it, right? So the, the right. way the brain works is that, you know, it looks for evidence, whether it's this sort of, okay, right. I've decided that I want to do this. And the brain looks for evidence that it was a good decision. If you decide not to do something, your brain looks for evidence that not doing it was a good decision. Or, you know, you decide that somebody's like not a, a you know, a safe character, safe person, right? Yeah. It's just sort of there. Well, and actually that's true. Like the amygdala, which is part of the brain, is the first thing that meets somebody or a situation, right? So the, the, the amygdala goes, is this a friend or is this a foe? Boom. That's it. Right. Is this a good situation to be in or a not so good situation? Are you a good witch? You're a bad witch. <laughs> right. So then all of a sudden your, your amygdala goes, Whoop, not so great a, a person, not so great a situation. Don't want to be here. And your brain looks for evidence to prove that's true. Right. So you're kind of already set up for failure if you're letting that kind of fight or flight in, you know, instinct kind of take over and be in charge of you 
Well, and I was just reading last night Tom Brown's new book on ADHD. What is it? ADHD and Asperger syndrome and smart kids and adults. Like a really simple, easy title. But part of what he talks about when he's explaining executive function is not only does this process that you're describing happen, which our, our brain assesses quick, but it happens super quickly. Yeah. Right. It's it happens in a split instant, and we don't we don't even have a consciousness that it's happening. It's so fast. Yeah. So why is this important, right? So there's a couple of areas where <laughs> really it becomes amazing. important. Yeah. So there's a theory, and then there's the why it's important. So one of it is triggers, right? It's just sort of when we teach this all the time in our programs is paying attention to the stories we tell ourselves are what actually throw us into the triggers, not the situations. And so then wait, 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 wait. stay there. Do you want to hit the other one? Then we'll do both. No, 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 no. Let's just do that one. Okay, so stay there for a little bit longer because that is short. That's a shortcut for you, but that's complex for a lot of people who yep. don't do this all the time, right? So, this what's the story you're telling yourself when something happens, good, bad, indifferent? We make up a story about it, right? We tell ourselves what how, we help ourselves make sense of it, right? And so, why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because what ends up happening is that we get hijacked by the story, right? So when we teach trigger management, we talk about the difference between what we expect will happen and what actually will happen, right? So it's a sort of, you go to this, this is my favorite one to tell us, like you go to the store, you're ready to buy your favorite ice cream, Chunky Monkey, you get to the grocery store and all of a sudden they don't have any. Is that your favorite ice cream? I just have to Yeah, It's actually my partner's favorite ice cream. So it's (laughs) like, I go there looking for ice cream for him, right? So you get there and it's like, oh, you know, and then you kind of have this letdown, this sort of, ah, Disappointment, right? Disappointment, crap. And if I create a story about it, it's a sort of, I can't believe it. Why can't they keep this in stock? Or uh, the story about it, oh my gosh, he's going to be disappointed. I got to figure out something else to do because he was really looking forward to the chunky monkey. And he's monkey. already kind of mad at me because I yeah, did this I was yesterday. Yeah, chunky monkey because we had that argument this morning. Right. <laughs> right. So it could be a million things. Right. But the story is what gets me worked up. Not, I mean, it's a fact that there was no chunky monkey, but I got sucked into, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in trouble with my partner because I don't show up with the ice cream when I show up, when I get home. Right. Right. So, so when we tell ourselves a story and we get tripped up by the story, it begins, it kind of takes over, takes over really. Well, and let's use an example. That's probably more real for our parents than the chunky monkey one, because that was a pretty simple one, but our kid, you know, it's a sort of, we expect our kid is going to, our kid tells us I've finished my homework. I've got the paper in, it's all done. I'm fine for the semester. And then we go in the online system and we find out, lo and behold, there's four missing assignments. And I was going to go with something simpler, which is we walk into the bathroom and the towel's on the floor. Yes. Same thing, y'all. Okay. There is no difference between these two scenarios. I really want to point that out for a minute, because in both scenarios, we're going to tell ourselves something. All right. So you go into the online system. Right. So I expect that I'm going to go in the online system and I'm going to see no assignments. And I go in there and lo and behold, there are assignments, right? And I, and that's the reality. The story comes in. I can't believe he lied to me or she lied to me. I can't believe they missed this. Oh my gosh, they're going to fail the semester. Here we go again. I mean, there's all these stories that probably happen in the moment 
Same thing with the towel laying. Right. The towel, like, I can't believe he's, he did this again. I asked him not to do this. It's, it's one simple thing. Why can't he just put the towel up? It's going to have a mold issue. It's going to make his sibling sick. Like all of these stories, because he may have hung it up and it dropped on the floor, or he may not have, never have hung it up in the first place. Who knows? right? Either way, it's probably not going to be the indicator of his failure in life in the way that I might be catastrophizing it. Well, and the story I, I know you always like to tell is the mom who whose kids got potato chips all over the floor and she's yeah. decided that she's like 12, 11, 12. Or 12 yeah. And she like forgets to pick up the potato chip uh, crumbles on the floor and she's decided she's going to live in squalor the rest of her life. Right. She's right. never going to be able to take care of an apartment when she's in her twenties, because at 12 years old, she left potato chips on the floor. And like, this is a real story. We were coaching around it. And when the mom finally realized that's what she was thinking, that was the thoughts behind the story she was telling herself, she started cracking up because she realized how ridiculous it was, but we need to pause and pull back in order to sometimes realize that we're spiraling out, that we're making up these stories that really make ourselves crazier than we need right. to make So ourselves. the important piece of it is, is to separate the fact from the story, right? Because the, the reality is the story may be true on some level, but it may not be true. And, and mostly because of the way we talked about the amygdala working, if we see the situation as bad, the amygdala is going to create all kinds of bad stories to support it because that's just the way our brain is wired. Right. So yes, there are potato chips on the floor, the towels on the floor, and there are missing assignments. And how and we think and how we choose to think about that, the story we tend to set, tell ourselves is actually going to determine our next steps. So instead of going with the, the story of catastrophizing, which is what the examples we've been giving, we could, ready for this, y'all, we could make up a story that works for us. We, we're going to create a story anyway. Why not make up one that's good, that works for you, that serves? Well, maybe not good, but serves. Like even if it's it a little bit better, right? Even if it's not. Or that you can believe. I mean, that's just yeah. the key. It's just, you got to make up a story that you can absolutely believe is true. You can't lie to yourself because we actually don't do that very well, even though we think we do. Right? Right. So instead of my kid is going to live in squalor when they're 25, I'm willing to consider that even though my kid is having a hard time remembering to pick up the potato chip crumbs right now, I've got plenty of time to help her learn the skills she needs to be able to manage her own apartment when she's out when on she's her own, her she's in her 20s. Right? Just like her older sister is able to do. Yeah. Right. Well, that I'm willing to consider that even though I've picked up my son's towel 15 times, that it's okay because what I'm really working on with my son is helping him remember to, uh, you know, get his homework turned in, (laughs) (laughs) right. Or maybe, you know what, instead of bringing this issue over and over again, maybe it's time to teach him to do his own laundry, right? Like, so maybe, maybe I need to approach this completely differently, which might lead you to a different set of next steps. So what about if the assignments? Because I know that's been your question. Oh, the assignment one. So it's a sort of, it's okay. So even though I, my kids said that the homework was done and I'm finding that it's not, I'm not going, you know, I'm willing to consider that they, they're not doing it on purpose. They're not telling me on purpose. They're not purposefully lying to me about the assignments. 
they've got, this is a kid with working memory issues. This is who may a kid think he did it. Who may think they did it <laughs> right. or remember doing it and actually didn't turn it in or maybe actually did do it and didn't, how many times does that happen? You, you know, it's like they, they thought they turned it in. They really did do it. And it's been sitting in the bottom of some book at some notebook and you have to go back in and help them find it because it's well, or, lost. I mean, I had a kid who was, you know, it was easy to come up with all kinds of reasons why maybe he didn't actually do it because that might have been a t- typical tendency. But there was one time that I'd ne- I'll never forget. He was in middle school and he was adamant that he had turned in. It was a test or an exam. Turns out the teacher had lost it. We had that happen too. The teacher and the teacher like said, and they ended up, we kind of like gently eased in and said, yeah. what's going on? And and she's like, I'm so sorry. I, I found it. It's two months later. Yep. I know your daughter had to redo something and I'm sorry about that, but yeah. yeah. So but sometimes that happens. So the concept here is to help yourself either not get triggered or reclaim yourself when you are triggered is to really be intentional about the story you tell yourself. And, you know, we were talking before we got on the call. Some of us have a fairly analytical approach to the world. Like, Diane, we were, can I tell on you a little bit? Yeah, sure. We're, we're talking about Diane has a tendency to walk into a space or a room or whatever, and she's an analyst. So the first thing she sees is what's not working, what's not right, right? Which is a really great skill to have in a business partner. And maybe as a kid might have been frustrating to have in a mom sometimes, <laughs> right? Yeah. So... It's not that she's not going to analyze, but the idea is to to really get to how quickly can you notice that tendency to find the negative and then to keep going, to look for another story that serves more effectively. And the story I was telling you, Diane, was from a client over a dozen years ago. She was a mom with five kids and she was particularly estranged with her teenage daughters. And she was really struggling with this relationship. She was so upset. And it turned out when we were coaching around it, she had been a medical analyst in in her career before she stayed home to become a mom. And so she, like what we were just describing, would walk into the room and she would see what was out of place. And so what we coached around was not that she wasn't going to see it, because let's be honest, she's going to see it. But the question was, could she prevent herself from saying it? Or leading with it even. Or leading with it long enough to see something else, to come in the room and say, hey, it looks like y'all are having a great time. Before she says, okay, can you get your, you know, in gear and do something else, right? (laughs) Right. And so to to know that if you have that tendency, it's okay. You're going to think that way, see that way. You, You know, if you're a lawyer, an analyst, or you have that kind of a mind, The question is, what other story can you tell yourself that will serve the situation or serve you better? Well, and I guess that that takes us back to the very beginning, which is the role of the mind. You know, the mind's going to create stories. The mind's going to do what it does naturally, which is either analyzed or judged or whatever, you know, kind of is going on underneath it. The question is, are you going to be, are you going to be in charge or are you going to let your mind be in charge? And Mm. I think that that's, that's the important piece of it, or even just not necessarily who's in charge, but how aware are you? I mean, it's like, how many times do you go through your day and actually pay attention to the the things that your mind is saying to you? Oh, yeah. Sometimes uh, we really mean to ourselves. Oh, we are. Like, I noticed we're myself the other day. The situation. What? I said something and I was like, oh, such an idiot. And then I said out loud to myself, wait a minute, you're not an idiot. <laughs> that was an honest mistake. Right. But my first tendency was to beat myself up. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. So there are two places to go with this, or maybe more. You might have more. I was thinking one about focus with kids and the other about I want to go. Well, to let's talk about kids. Can we talk about kids for just yep. a second? Because yep. this came up for me the other day. I had a, a friend who posted this story on Facebook and her kid had to do something for crazy hat day and like put it off, put it off, put it off. And then that morning had this freak out. I don't want to go to school. Because I don't have something for crazy hat day. Crazy hat day. <laughs> and then mom's like, you can figure this out. And he's like, I'm not creative. I can't do mm. it. I'm not creative. And she just kept saying over and over again, I'm not going to let you fall for that trick that your brain is trying to pull on you. Right? And the point was, I love she thought his brain was telling him that he's not creative. And it's BS, right? It's Because everybody's of, creative in some way. Everybody's yeah. creative in some way, but his brain was telling him you're not creative. And she's like, I'm not going to let you to fall for the trick that your brain is trying to pull on you. I love and, that. And it's like this sort of, I think that's what we need to say to ourselves all day long. Don't fall for the tricks that your brain is trying to pull on you. Well, and it's funny you say that because what I used to say to one of my kids was, you can't talk to my child that way. Oh, Yeah. Right. When they would say something about themselves, like I'm an idiot, or, you know, they would say something disparaging me. I'm so stupid. Self. Right. I can't and believe I, I do that. I never do anything right. I mean, all of us have right. kids that are like that. Right. And I would say, don't you speak about my child that way? Cause that's not my child. My child is whatever. And it was when I externalized it and kind of made it third person, they would usually laugh or play. It was like, it lightened it. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't being punitive. Well, well, and I think that the other piece of it is because our kids' brains are going a million miles an hour, just like ours are. And so if our kid makes a mistake, their brain is looking for evidence that they're stupid, right? It's this sort of, and so it makes makes perfect sense that they would say that out loud. Don't always assume that they're like completely internalizing it, but know that there's part of them, their brain that's kind of focusing on the what's not working instead of what's working. And again, it's actually a sign that they have that analytical capacity to self, to be self-aware, which is great long-term. Right. Right. And again, it's this sort of consciousness raising, Hey, there's part of you that feels like you're, yes, there's part of you that feels like you made this big giant mistake. There's part of you that feels like you're not creative. There's part of you that, you know, it's this sort of acknowledging the fact that there is that part of you that feels that way. And do you want that part of you to be in charge or do you want a different part of you to be in charge? I, as a parent, want the part of you to be in charge that trusts your instinct, that knows your whole, that knows you can do things, that's not trying to beat yourself up. That's the part of you that I want as mom, that I want my kid to have in charge of them. Well, and the question that I use with my kids a lot, one of them in particular, when she starts kind of perseverating or beating herself up or going into that kind of spiral of fear, so this is mostly from anxiety, the question I ask is, what else is also true? Mm -hmm. Okay, it might be true that, you know, you haven't heard back from that job interview, or it might be true that whatever it is that's upsetting to you, what else is also true? Or what else could also be true? Well, it could be true that they've been on vacation and they haven't gotten to it yet. Or it could be true that, you know, there's a million other things when you really start to look at it that could also be true. And and when you realize there are so many things, it's, it it's harder to get stuck with that one thing. Well, and, and I think that that's important as parents. The example I always talk about is the parents with the defiant kid, the kid mm-hmm. who's 
who's being rude and disrespectful. And when you say, well, what's going on with this kid? Well, he's rude. He doesn't have respect for me. Well, else what else also might be going on for them? Well, they're really having a hard time. They're really, and, and bottom line, it's, it's shifting your thought to a thought that's going to help you resolve the situation. I mean, it's like right. if I'm sitting there with a kid who's being rude and all I can think is you're a rude kid, I'm going to want to punish them. I'm going to want to run away <laughs> and leave the room because I don't want to be yelled at by my kid. I'm going to, you know, consequences and punishments and all these sorts of things that we know as parents of complex kids don't work very effectively. Listen to our other podcast around consequences and punishments. But you've got to pick a thought that's going to help you help your kid in the moment is ultimately what you want. Well, so, and here's what's coming up for me. (laughs) So, you know me, I go macro, right? What do we talk about all the time in terms of parenting? Mindset. Mindset matters, right? Mindset. I was writing an article for Attention Magazine on parenting young adults. And I mean, parents want strategies, right? You know, the most important strategies, the older your kids get. It's all about parent mindset. It's all about how are we thinking about the situation because that's going to influence how we approach the situation and how we approach the conversation with these young people. And I don't care how old your kid is, your mindset sets the tone for what happens in your dynamic in your relationship. And what we're really talking about here is choosing a mindset that works for us. Right. Again, get back to the fact that are you aware of what your mind's telling you? about the situation with your kid? Are you about your own work, about whatever? Just being consciously aware. And is that a thought that's actually helping you or is it a thought that's bringing you down? Right. So there's one more thing I want to cover. Is there other than if there's anything else you want to talk about? No. (laughs) Okay. So the one other thing I want to talk about is what I call, mantra is probably the wrong word for it, but the mantra or a quote or an expression, when my kids were little, particularly in those early years when it was really, really hard before I understood what was going on, there were certain expressions that I would say to myself that would get me through those rough days. I had two of them. So I want to share mine. I want to see what yours were. And then I want to invite people to come up with a story that you can, that will carry you through the tough stuff. What well, let's, so, so let's go back and bottom line that because what we're talking about is our mind is going to tell us all kinds of negative stories. And if we have a positive story running in the background all the time, it makes it easy or a more, a more supportive or even story, neutral, right? <laughs> a neutral story. If you do it all the time, your ability to do it when you really need it is going to be easier. So what you're talking about is a mantra, a phrase, something that carries you through the rough times because you remember it constantly. So what right. was your So when my kids were little, what I used to say to myself all the time, and I would say it out loud, was this is where I am in my life right now. This is where I am in my life right now. This is, you know, kids melting down, can't get out the door to go to school, had a shower in four days, like whatever it was, this is where I am in my life right now. This is not forever. This is, this is where I am right now. And it's amazing how much it got me through some really rough times. Yeah. You know, the one that I've used is nothing is broken here. Mm. It's this sort of, it's this sort of, it's not broken. It may not be the way I want it, but it's not broken. You know, it's that sort of reassurance that, you know, we are not really over the deep end, even though we feel like we're over the deep end. The other one that I used a lot was there's a Hebrew term, and it's a necklace David brought me back from Israel when he went to go ride a bike across Israel. And I got to stay home with three young children. (laughs) 
Thanks, David. All I got was, no, I got this beautiful necklace. And I've written an article about it. It's on the website. It's called This Too Shall Pass. It's from the Song of Solomon. And it's this one quote that no matter what, it reminds me that in the good times and the bad times, this too shall pass. It's always going to pass. This time, this is just a moment. And that, I literally wore the necklace for 12 years. That necklace, that quote, that concept got me through a lot of years. This too shall pass. The good times and the bad times, we get to choose whether we want to embrace them or let them go. But we got to recognize that it's not, nothing is forever. This too shall pass. Well, and the other one that I think about with parents, because a lot of us tend to get triggered by this stuff that's going on with our kids. I mean, yes, we talk about this all the time, but the story, if you can convince yourself that you're going to be more of the kind of parent you want to be, if you can keep your cool, then if you get triggered, that can be that great reminder. I am more the parent I want to be. If I can keep my cool, then if I lose my cool, I mean, that's something as simple that maybe as simple as calm parent is a happy family or, you Um, know, make it as simple as you can. So what's yours? As you're listening to this, we want to invite you to think about a quote, a mantra, whatever the expression is for you. What's something, a story that you can tell yourself that will get you through the good times and the bad times? And we want to give you a challenge to start paying a little bit more attention to what your mind is telling you so that you can use this phrase that you just came up with um, and help yourself to stay more grounded and balanced in your day to day. Awesome. That was a really fabulous conversation. This is why I'm so excited to have this podcast, to be able to talk about the issues that are coming up in our world and our work. Anything you want to say before we close out? Nope. Thanks for being here. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And thanks for the work you're doing for yourself and your kids. It makes the difference. Take care, y'all. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.